Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome back to the channel, Running Back Ranks, part two of the Running Back Ranks. Call it the sequel, call it the continuation, call it whatever you want. We got six more running backs to break down today for you. If you did not watch the first version of this, you don't necessarily have to, but if you do want to check it out, I'll link it up above in this video. Running Back Ranks, part two. We went through one through six yesterday. We're going to go through seven through 12 today. Six more running backs that I think are worthy of a RB1 status, right? Your top 12 running backs in an NFL season are your RB1s, and we're going to go through the rest of them today. Thank you all for being here. Some people had some questions about the first six running backs, having Joe Mixon at number six, you're definitely going to have questions then probably with my next six running backs, just because one or two guys that you're used to maybe seeing will likely not be there because their situations are changing. And I will address those for sure. Once we get to those points, we had a question of the day in the last video. And in this one, I want to ask the same exact question. Would you rather have Kenyon Drake or Miles Sanders in PPR redraft formats? Let me know down below in the comments. These are people that I have closely ranked together this season. And I want to see what the consensus is of the comments of this community down below. And speaking of this community, please don't forget to join this community by hitting the subscribe button. If you like my videos, get any value at all from them, hit that subscribe button if this information helps you. The whole goal here is to give you all this information to properly equip you to go ahead and beat all your friends, your family, your high stakes opponents in the fantasy football leagues this season. And if you're watching this right now, like I said in the previous video, you're a true grinder for watching this early. So I appreciate that. Come join the community of grinders over here. Thank you so much. So what do you say we get into this video? And we'll start with my number seven running back on the season and somebody who gave me a ton of fits last year and and DFS. DFS, DraftKings, Daily Fantasy Sports formats because of the fact that he just kept going off and really went off every single week and it didn't see sustainable based on his skill set in today's NFL, but surely it was and the Titans believed in that by franchise tagging him and making him one of the highest paid running backs in the league for this specific season, and that is Derrick Henry. In 2019, Derrick Henry played on 66.9% of the snaps. He had over 300 carries. The big dog himself was a workhorse, over 1,500 yards, the leading rusher in the NFL, and 18, 18 total touchdowns. He caught 18 of 25 targets for 206 yards. So as the NFL's leading rusher, he saw 321 total receptions and carries, and that was the fifth most in the entire league, but he was by far out of everybody in the top 20, the most dependent on rushing attempts. And being the most dependent on rushing attempts isn't bad if your offense is going to build around you like Tennessee's, but for the most part, that usually regresses to a certain extent because of your team's overall game flow. If your team starts to trail in these games and the quarterback play isn't as good as it was last year and highly efficient and effective like Ryan Tannehill, your 300 plus carries can easily dip to somewhere in that 250 to 260 range. And if you're not making up for it in receptions, you can start to become an issue. So that's why he's down to number seven and doesn't crack that top six and honestly might drop one or two more spots for me before the draft does come. Last year, Derrick Henry had the sixth ranked run blocking unit on the offensive line ahead of him. They did sign Dennis Kelly, a tackle, resigned for a three-year $21 million deal after losing Jack Conklin. They also drafted a first round talent in Isaiah Wilson out of Georgia to replace Jack Conklin is the hope and bolster up this offensive line. They truly are building this offense around Derrick Henry based on their moves with one franchise tagging him, their moves on the offensive line, and getting Ryan Tannehill back under there, somebody who worked so well off of Derrick Henry in the play-action passing game last season. So the Titans' additions in the offseason and free agency on the offensive side were no real additions outside of just re-signing people, franchise tagging Derrick Henry, and then re-signing Kelly, their offensive lineman that we talked about, and Ryan Tannehill. The subtractions in free agency were a few. They lost Deion Lewis. He ends up going over to the New York Giants. They lost Marcus Mariota, who is now backing up Derrick Carr in Oakland. They lost Jack Conklin, like we talked about, and Delaney Walker, who is still a free agent and potentially flirting with retirement at this time. In the NFL draft, they took that first-round talent, Isaiah 
Isaiah Wilkerson, the tackle out of Georgia. They also took Darrington Evans, a third round running back. They don't have no more Deion Lewis. So Darrington Evans is going to officially slide into the number one backup role behind Derrick Henry. If anything was to happen to Derrick Henry right now, the rookie seems primed to be the number one candidate for that backup role. And then they drafted Cole McDonald, a sixth round quarterback. So the durability of Derrick Henry, what is it? He's only missed one game in his career, and that was last year in 2019 due to a hamstring injury. He has only actually popped up on the injury report three weeks in his entire career, two of those being last year for that hamstring, the week that he was out, and the week after that, just popping up on the injury report for some maintenance, uh, limited practice, things like that. So Derrick Henry, although he's taking on a huge workload, similar to Zeke in the sense of 300 plus carry workloads, not getting injured all that much. The durability is surely there for Derrick Henry, who's right now in the prime of his career, about to turn 26 years old. So what is this backfield competition? We kind of hinted at it earlier. There's no more Deion Lewis. He's now with the Giants. Lewis averaged 5.5 opportunities per game last year. That was his targets plus his rush attempts combined, the opportunities in 2019. And then they go out and they drafted Darrington Evans in the third round. Darrington Evans is 23 years old and he played three seasons at Appalachian State. While there in 2019, he had over 250 carries, over 1,450 yards, and 18 touchdowns similar to the touchdown rate of Derrick Henry last season. He also caught 21 of 27 targets for 198 yards. Darrington Evans is a smaller back, 5'10", only 203 pounds. Although he's a smaller back, he took on the workload similar to a Derrick Henry his final year in college. His cons, though, coming into the NFL is that he's small. He can't break tackles all that well, and he lacks the yards after contact. So this is very much the Deion Lewis change of pace back that you're going to see, except really hasn't proven his pass catching abilities while in college. So you have the big bruiser in Derrick Henry. You have the smaller scat back in Darrington Evans. Outside of that, not much competition in this backfield. It once again seems to be the case that as long as Derrick Henry can stay healthy and the Titans stay in neutral to positive game scripts, meaning that they don't fall behind by more than a touchdown or more for most of the game or towards the end of the games so that they can continue to feed the rock 20 plus times to Derrick Henry, you're most likely going to see Again, 20 plus carries a game for Derrick Henry or right around that number. And as long as he stays healthy, you should feel pretty comfortable drafting him as one of the top eight running backs in your fantasy football 2020 drafts. How many of you were man enough and sharp enough to take Nick Chubb in your first or early second round drafts last year? And you weren't actually scared of the fact that Kareem Hunt was going to come back midseason with the opportunity to quote unquote steal his job, which really never happened at all. They kind of complimented each other for the most part in that offense. And you got the second leading rusher in the entire NFL last year in Nick Chubb in the 2019 season he played all 16 games which he has now played in his first two years in the NFL 71% of the snaps number two in rushing only behind Derrick Henry on 298 carries and over 1450 yards eight total touchdowns he did see 36 receptions on 50 targets although his work was much more heavily hit in the passing game once Kareem Hunt did come back he had 334 total receptions and carries which ranked fourth overall in the NFL and his 52 red zone touches was top five as well now this man was just an absolute beast by himself number one in runs of 15 or more yards number two Two in evaded tackles, number two in yards created, which is all the yards after you evade and break some tackles. But the most impressive thing of this all, maybe of this entire video, is that Nick Chubb in the 29th ranked run blocking offense in front of him posted the number two rushing yards leader in the NFL. Number two in the NFL behind the fourth worst offensive line in football for run blocking. So what did Cleveland do in the offseason to address this concerns? Well, they really bolstered the offensive line. They went and got Derrick Henry, like we were talking about, Jack Conklin, his offensive tackle. In the first round of the 10th overall pick, they took Jedrick Willis out of Alabama. 
two studs now on the offensive line that an offensive line that was ranked 29th last year and he produced a a top five RB finish in Nick Chubb is now going to be even better with studs on it that can only help him in the running game even more. Some more additions over the offseason, especially for the run game, was Andy Janovich, a fullback that's also going to help. They got him in free agency, as well as Austin Hooper from the Atlanta Falcons. Their losses was only a tackle, Greg Robinson, so nothing major there. And in the NFL draft, they took Jedrick Wilson in the first round. They took Harrison Bryant, a fifth round tight end, which is interesting given that they just signed David Njoku or picked up his fifth year option. And they got Austin Hooper from Atlanta. And then they took another offensive lineman and a wide receiver later in the draft. Now, the durability of Nick Chubb should not be questioned. Throughout his two years in the NFL, 32 games, he's played every single game and he has not missed a single practice to this point. So as of right now, we have no concerns about him being durable. He went for over a 325 touch season last year and did not land on the injury report once. Now, your major concerns about Nick Chubb and why you're probably not drafting him closer to a top five running back or at least ahead of Derrick Henry is because he has legitimate backfield competition in Kareem Hunt. Kareem Hunt was a former electrifying top eight fantasy football running back for a good year and a half with the Kansas City Chiefs. Now, Kareem Hunt only played in eight games last year because he was suspended for the first eight. In those eight games, he played on 54% of the snaps. He saw 43 carries for 179 yards and three touchdowns. But more importantly, he saw 37 receptions on 45 targets last year. So although he didn't pick up a good amount of yardage overall, he did see 80 touches. And the biggest thing was that he saw 45 targets and caught 37 of them. In half the games, literally half the games, he had more receptions than Nick Chubb. So when you see an entire season on the horizon this year for the two of them in that backfield, it is very likely that you see Kareem Hunt out touching in the receiving game, Nick Chubb two to one. And if that's the case, it does impact Nick Chubb from a guy who was maybe catching two balls per game last year. It's now he only ends up catching one ball per game. And that does impact your overall fantasy points per game. So I'm not too worried about Kareem Hunt. If anything, it makes him more relevant in fantasy formats. It doesn't knock Nick Chubb all that much. Kareem Hunt played 54% of the snaps while Nick Chubb was playing 70% of the snaps over those last eight games. So they were on the field together. Kareem Hunt was also playing out of the slot a little bit. So really, although he's going to impact him in the receiving game, it's not going to be a direct crossover. And Nick Chubb still uh, firmly handled the red zone workload, which is the biggest thing that we're really looking for here. So he was still running routes. He was still seeing one or two receptions per game when Kareem Hunt was out there. You just now have to lower your expectations on a ceiling for Nick Chubb. You're not going to get 50 catches this season out of Nick Chubb as long as Kareem Hunt is back there. Your hope at this point is just to maintain his two catch per game season that he had last year. And even that might be in doubt with a full 16 games of Kareem Hunt on the horizon in the backfield. So those are the concerns that put him to number eight, the main one being Kareem Hunt, but it's not enough to drop him any lower than that for me. This man's an absolute baller and he only is improving his offensive line ahead of him. It's going to be even better for year three now, the junior running back in Nick Chubb. So we go from the the junior in Nick Chubb to now the sophomore running back in Josh Jacobs. And honestly, if you had to do that in real life, depending on who you are, you might like it. But I think that would be absolutely terrible to go back an entire season or entire year in high school or college. But uh, to each their own, I guess. But 2019 for Josh Jacobs was absolutely electric, the number one graded rookie running back and a top five graded overall running back in just 13 games. He played on 55% of the snaps in this Oakland Raiders John Gruden offense, saw 242 carries, 1150 yards and seven touchdowns. Now he only saw 28 targets and 20 receptions, less than by far less than two receptions per game out of Josh Jacobs and right around two targets per game out of him. That's not that great. On a per week basis, though, he was one of the top eight running backs, top five he was pushing in the NFL at 20.2 touches per game through those 13 weeks. Fantastic. He was the number 15 finisher in fantasy points per game, mainly in PPR formats because of his lack of receiving numbers, 14.7. Number six in yards created, number eight innovated tackles, and number three in runs of 15 or more yards. This guy was an absolute motor behind an Oakland Raiders offensive line that was average. It ranked 18th in the NFL last year. Now, what did the Raiders 
Raiders do in the offseason to try and help this running game and this offense overall? Well, not much in terms of the free agency department. They added some names, but some names that shouldn't really make an immediate impact. Marcus Mariota, who maybe starts at some point this season, but is a backup. They added Jason Witten, who might help a little bit in short distance and maybe in the red zone for Derek Carr, but we're not expecting much things out of a close to 40-year-old tight end. And then Nelson Aguilar from the Philadelphia Eagles, but I don't think he's going to be that much of a factor based on some of their NFL draft capital additions as well. Their only subtractions were DeAndre Washington, which is actually going to impact Josh Jacobs a decent amount. Washington saw over 40 targets last year in this Oakland Raiders offense, and he has now been sent out and shipped over to Kansas City, where they just drafted Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, so he might be looking for a new job very quickly as well. But in the NFL draft, oh man, oh man, did they go for the wide receivers. Henry Ruggs, 12th overall, the speedster out of Alabama. Who knows if that was the right pick? We'll see in a few years from now. But then in the third round, they drafted back-to-back wide receivers in Lynn Bowden and also Brian Edwards. Brian Edwards, who was a third-round pick for them that they had profiled out as a second-round talent. And Lynn Bowden is sort of a gadget guy out of Kentucky. He was a mobile Wildcat quarterback there for them last year when their quarterback went down, but he was truly a wide receiver, but they said they might use him as a running back. He's currently on the Oakland Raiders depth chart as a running back right now, so we'll see how that all plans out. And they added an interior offensive lineman late in the draft in John Simpson. Now, the durability of Josh Jacobs is definitely a question. In his rookie season, he missed three games due to a shoulder injury. He actually played through two of them injured, which was something that the Raiders were skeptical of doing, and he actually did it, and then he ended up missing the final couple of games of the year. So he was on the injury report for five weeks. He sustained that shoulder injury in week seven, and he ended up missing three games. Now, dating back to his college career, there's nothing major there to really concern you that this is going to continue to be an issue for him as long as he got everything properly done for his shoulder. He should be good to go. So when it comes to durability and injury concerns for Josh Jacobs drafting him at the ninth overall running back slot or higher, I'm really not going to weigh that all that much personally. There's also not much to weigh in his backfield. Now, they do have Jalen Richard, and we've known this name for probably a few seasons now. Jalen Richard did sign a two-year extension for $7 million to continue to be with Oakland. He played on 28% of the snaps last year, saw 5.1 opportunities per game last year, but he wasn't all that much of a factor. Now, with DeAndre Washington out of there, somebody who played on 20% or so of the snaps, somebody who actually saw 20% of the red zone touches and 40-plus targets is gone, and there's a void now of 40-plus targets in the backfield to be filled. Now, is that going to be Josh Jacobs, who they've talked highly about being involved in the passing game this year? Is it going to be more work for the man that they paid in Jalen Richard, or is it maybe a Lynn Bowden out of the draft? They use him as a gadget guy, and he picks up some of those 40 targets. It is yet to be seen where that's exactly going to go. We have to wait in here for some more coach speak. So the way that depth chart stands right now is by far the alpha, in a way, is Josh Jacobs. I expect 60-plus percent of the snaps this year, and a good amount, if not all of the red zone work. Jalen Richard, based on the money that they paid him, is likely the second running back, and then they like they might list Lynn Bowden the third as a running back, but he's going to be more of a gadget guy in this offense for John Gruden. So I feel really good about drafting Josh Jacobs in the top 10 at running back this year, and he can only go higher. Like his running game and his running usage was one of the best in the league last year when healthy. If he is seeing any passing game work, just give him one extra reception per game, and you add 16 receptions to his total, he's going to probably jump Nick Chubb and push Derrick Henry for me to be in the top seven of my running back list. I think he can only go higher for me. He's a breakout candidate, and I am very excited to get a lot of Josh Jacobs in the late first or early second rounds of some 12-team PPR format leagues this year. Before we get into Austin Eckler, I do want to let you know that Monkey Knife Fight, they are the little monkey logo above me if you're not familiar, and also the promotion down below me for $15. It's a player prop site, so if you like sports betting, but it includes fantasy points as well. So you can go over there and you could say more or less for a specific football player, if you want to do it for the NFL, or if the NFL is not on season, any other sport, more or less for football, say 67 and a half yards for Austin Eckler. Well, you go over to Monkey Knife Fight and you can take the more or less on that. It's a player prop based site. It makes it a lot easier to play. It is right now set up in around 40 states. So if you want to play for the first time, all you do is go over to monkeyknifefight.com. You use the promo code Vetri that you see on screen. Once you put a deposit in, minimum deposit of $10, they'll give you $15 for free since they came since you came from my video. So if you 
want to put in $50, they'll give you $50 for free. They'll 100% match you up to $50 and then throw five bucks on top of it. So be sure to check them out over at Monkey Knife Fight. Again, if you like doing player props, if you're already betting on player props, you might as well just put a couple of bucks into there to take advantage of those bonuses because at that point, you're betting with the house money and some free money as well. So check out Monkey Knife Fight. Now let's get back into the video. So my 10th ranked running back right now for me is Austin Eckler. And this one might change. And I feel really good in PPR formats about having him a little bit higher up. In 2019, he was able to play all 16 games. Now the biggest thing in 2019, played only 57% of the snaps because he did share for the majority of the season a backfield with Melvin Gordon. And once Gordon came back, he took on that workhorse type of a role down the stretch. He saw 132 carries and 92 receptions on 108 targets. He found the end zone 11 times. He was highly efficient. He was only behind Christian McCaffrey in every single running back receptions category in terms of uh, the receptions physically, the receiving yards, and the receiving touchdowns. Number two in all those departments, only behind the GOAT CMC. He was number six in fantasy points per game at 19.3 for PPR formats, and he ran behind the 27th ranked run blocking unit last year, but this run blocking unit, and this is offensive line, made major, major improvements heading into the 2020 campaign. Now, what did they do on the offensive line? Well, they added former Green Bay Packer Brian Balaga, and they traded Russell Okun for Trey Turner to the Carolina Panthers, and I think Trey Turner is the better half of that deal, so you add two veteran studs, in my opinion, in Brian Balaga and Trey Turner to the offensive line, and then they also re-signed Austin Eckler and Hunter Henry during the offseason. Now, their subtractions were Okun, obviously Phillip Rivers is now with the Indianapolis Colts, and then they lost Melvin Gordon, who now signed with the Denver Chargers, which, if anything, is going to help Austin Eckler with his role in this backfield. In the NFL draft, they took Justin Herbert sixth overall. They took a rookie running back in the third round out of UCLA, Joshua Kelly. They took two wide receivers later in the draft, Joe Reed, who is also a return specialist in college out of Virginia, and then KJ Hill in the seventh round out of Ohio State. So more toys on this offense, if you will. I would say that the downsides of losing Philip Rivers is less checkdowns potentially to Austin Eckler. Philip Rivers had one of the highest checkdown rates in the entire league, so that should definitely hurt him. And now you're playing with a new quarterback who is officially at this point probably going to be Tyrod Taylor, and we'll see if Justin Herbert gets in at any point. But these are all question marks that push him a little bit further down in my rankings for me. On somewhat limited touches, the durability is not that much of a concern for Austin Eckler. He's only missed one game in his NFL career, and that was due to a concussion in 2017, so he really can't help that all that much. He popped up on the injury report as well in 2017 with a hand injury. That was one time, but missed no time. So he had one free concussion, which most running backs at this point probably have, even if they haven't reported it. So not much concerns for him there. He's not ever going to be a 20 plus touch guy. Like if you get 15 or 16 touches per game out of Eckler due to his size, only 199 pounds, five, six right now, you take that and run with it. Because if you're getting 20 plus touches out of him, you're just asking for him to go and get a concussion or go and get blown up by some of these defensive backs and linebackers. So Melvin Gordon is gone. He played on 56% of the snaps last year. He saw 162 carries, 42 receptions. He saw over 200 total touches and 37 red zone touches. And now that's out of this offense, including nine touchdowns to be filled by this backfield. Namingly, probably first up to take a lot of that work is Austin Eckler. They have Justin Jackson back there. And Justin Jackson's role in this team last year was playing about 20% of the snaps and only seeing 31 touches. There's a really good chance that Justin Jackson is about to be out the door because they drafted third round rookie out of UCLA, Joshua Kelly, who played three years there, who's about 22 and a half years old, 5'11", 212 pounds. Really, that is the, the build, not a huge running back, but the build bigger than Eckler to take on the Justin Jackson role. In 2019 at UCLA, he saw 229 carries for over a thousand yards and 12 total touchdowns, was not active in the receiving game, 15 targets, 11 receptions, but that's going to be Austin Eckler's role no matter what. So I really do think that by the time the season comes, it's going to be Austin Eckler running back one, Joshua Kelly running back two, and 
Justin Jackson might not even be on this roster at that point. So I feel good about having Austin Eckler just inside the top 10 at number 10 overall. Let's get into what we have to finish it up with our final two running backs today. Shout out Toronto, shout out Drake, shout out to Drake, who's now from Miami to Arizona last year and revived his whole career, getting away from Adam Gaze, getting away then from Miami and just their incompetence last year in general. 2019 saw 14 games from Kenyon Drake. I'm only going to focus on the eight games that he played with Arizona once he transferred over there and had his first start in week nine of the NFL season of 2019 on a Thursday night football game where he just popped off and he started off right in fashion coming in and blowing up the Thursday night football game and really becoming one of the best additions for many fantasy football owners last year. Now, as early as week two of last year, the Dolphins were floating rumors about trading Kenyon Drake. It took them a few months after that, but they finally did. During his last eight weeks of the season, all of those with Arizona, he saw 124 carries, 652 yards, and eight touchdowns. He also caught 27 balls in those eight weeks. That's elite numbers over three and a half per week or so on 34 targets. He ranked fifth in rushing, 11th in attempts, second in touchdowns, and he was tied for second in 10 plus yard runs during those final eight weeks. He really was a motor and he was just beast moding it. Now he had his peak and valley week similar to Aaron Jones. He would spike and score three touchdowns. Then he would just get 60 yards and do nothing. But the point being, he was very productive for half of the season once he came to Arizona. His biggest downsides are always going to be his size. He ranked around 25th over those last eight weeks and just evaded tackles and missed tackles forced. But you're not going to get those with a guy who's six foot and weighing in just over 205 pounds compared to some of these linebackers that are coming right at him. He ran behind the 24th ranked run blocking unit last year in the offensive line, and it was a major concern for them even in the passing game in Arizona, but they improved it somewhat in the draft. They took Josh Jones in the second round, who was marked by many to be a first round caliber talent and fell to them in the second round. So their offensive line should be improved. During the offseason, they had the blockbuster trade, adding in free agency, DeAndre Hopkins, subtracting David Johnson. That's a huge plus. They put the transition tag on one Kenyon Drake, and they signed Larry Fitzgerald to a one-year, $11 million contract. Outside of adding tackle Josh Jones in the second round, they also went in the seventh round and picked up some running back depth in Eno Benjamin. Now, the durability of Kenyon Drake, he has not missed a game in his NFL career, and he's only been on the injury report five times in the last three years due to some minor strains. So even though he's a smaller body back, very similar to Austin Eckler, and very similar to a lot of the running backs we've talked about today in Derrick Henry and Nick Chubb, not any real injury concerns out of him and durability issues when you're weighing who to draft. That should not be a point against Kenyon Drake this year. So the backfield competition, there is some back there, but not a whole ton, especially putting the transition tag on Kenyon Drake and dumping David Johnson shows you the, the positivity and the, the ability and opportunity that they want to give Kenyon Drake here. So Kenyon Drake's RB1 by a good amount. Chase Edmonds, the second year back, will be back there. And Chase Edmonds did play 32% of the snaps last year. Some of those were when he was sort of taking on the lead dog role before Kenyon Drake came in. And he only saw 8.1 opportunities per game. While Kenyon Drake was on the field, Chase Edmonds only saw around five opportunities per game. So this is very firmly Kenyon Drake's backfield. He ranked sixth though, Chase Edmonds, in overall yards per carry and true yards per carry with 4.8 per game. So he was an effective back. He'll be an effective backup in his second year, but this is solely Kenyon Drake's backfield. They did add the rookie in the seventh round, Eno Benjamin out of Arizona State, where he ended up seeing over a thousand yards last year and 10 touchdowns. He broke 62 tackles, which ranked top 15, and he was overall graded by PFF as an 80 overall for his 2019 season. But since he was taken in the seventh round, he's mainly a flyer. You likely only see him if something happens to both Drake and Chase Edmonds this year. So Kenyon Drake is my RB11 heading into PPR formats as of right now for Fantasy Football 2020. Let's now get into the 12th and final running back on my board. So I don't know what it is about the second year and sophomore running backs, mainly Josh Jacobs and Miles Sanders we've talked about so far, but I'm just so excited for them. I mentioned how I can see Josh Jacobs going higher if we hear anything about his role, and I can see Miles Sanders going higher if we hear anything more about his role. But right now I have him at 12th in PPR formats. In 2019, he played 16 games, saw 53.7% of the snaps, 179 carries for 818 yards and six touchdowns. But the big kicker was 50 receptions on 63 targets and 509 yards. He had over 
over 1,300 total yards last year on 229 total touches, 14.3 per game. That was while Jordan Howard was there. Jordan Howard was there for nine games, seeing almost 15 touches per game. If you look at the last six weeks of the season when Jordan Howard was out and injured, Miles Sanders averaged 19.6 touches per game. 19.6 during that time. He was a top six running back over the last six weeks of the season when it was just his role, the main man back there, and no Jordan Howard. Philly ran the seventh most times in the NFL last year. That was very nice to see. And he ran behind the number one overall ranked run blocking unit. That was really nice to see. He was seventh in receiving yards, 12th in receptions, and 13 in targets for running backs last season. And most of that came in the second half of the year when he wasn't playing this only five to six touch per game role like he was for the first couple of games of the year. So what were some of the moves that they made in the offseason? In terms of additions, they made really none on offense in free agency. They added a lot to their defense. Robbie Coleman, a slot corner from the Los Angeles Rams. Detroit Lions, Darius Slay, a outside cornerback from the Lions. And then Javon Hargrave for defensive tackle up front. In terms of subtractions, they're losing Jason Peters on their offensive line at tackle to retirement. So that hurts a lot. They lost Jordan Howard to Miami. That's only going to help Miles Sanders and probably not hurt this team all that much. And then Nelson Aguilar, uh, Philly fans watching this are probably happy to see similarly similar to his last two years in the NFL, him dropped uh, from this roster. In the NFL draft, they did a ton in terms of the wide receiver department. They traded a draft pick during the draft for Marquis Goodwin, the, the burner out of San Francisco. They drafted Jalen Rieger in the first round out of TCU. He looks good. Jalen Hurts to be maybe this option type of change of pace quarterback in this offense in the second round. And then he took some more deep wide receivers in John Hightower, in Quez Watkins in the fifth and sixth rounds, and then two offensive tackles in the final few rounds of the draft. So they bolstered their biggest thing, which was wide receiver depth and wide receivers in general, since they have some aging receivers in Alshon Jeffrey and Deshaun Jackson, who continue to be banged up year after year. They went out, they got four wide receivers in this draft. They got two offensive tackles to see who can replace Jason Peters. And if anything, they helped out Miles Sanders by not drafting a running back. Now, as of yesterday, the Philadelphia Eagles actually brought in Corey Clement on a one-year deal, and that's likely to spell some work for my Miles Sanders. Now we'll see how much they actually give him. Last year, they gave Corey Clement like barely any work and then actually ended up cutting him. So they don't have that much confidence in him. Boston Scott is indeed in this backfield. So Corey Clement's probably working now for the the backup role with Boston Scott in this offense. I know some people are going to throw this out there that that's going to be bad for Miles Sanders. I don't think it is. I don't think you should ever expect Miles Sanders to be a Tony plus touch per game guy. If he was, he'd be a top eight running back for us. I think you're hoping that he can sustain an Alvin Kamara role where he sees 12 carries, but he also sees four receptions per game. And he's giving you 16 touches per week with high PPR upside in the receiving game and also the red zone. Miles Sanders' durability looks to be fine. He missed no time during his rookie season. He left some games at half, but only missed a couple of minutes with some shoulder injuries and MCL strain and sprain, but nothing major there. Now, his backfield competition is mainly more of quantity over quality. It's Boston Scott. It's Elijah Holyfield. It's now Corey Clement. Not a lot of names that scare you of taking Miles Sanders, a second round draft capital who produced last year out of his starting role in Philadelphia. There's no Jordan Howard. That's 44% of the snaps. That's 130 total touches out of this offense. That's 14.8 touches per game out of this offense now to be distributed mainly amongst Miles Sanders and some of the backups. Boston Scott and Elijah Holyfield are back there. Boston Scott showed some nice bursts in the passing game last year, but not enough to make me go, uh-oh, Miles Sanders has some true competition. My goal out of Miles Sanders is to see 16 touches per game. I'm not going to get greedy and say, give me 20. I would feel a little bit scared for his overall health at that point. I don't want him to only see 12 like he did at the beginning of last year. Give me 16 to 17 to 18 touches per week, and I feel really good about Miles Sanders being an RB1 in the 2020 fantasy football season. So that's it. 
it. That's the top 12. If you're only watching this video right now, go back and watch the RB1 part one rankings, which is one through six of my running backs. I'm going to be going out through more. We'll have a top 20 overall video where we'll summarize a lot of things in a few weeks, maybe even in a week. And we'll continue to update these videos and these rankings as the season goes on. I do have a free strategy guide link below for the rookie rankings. All you have to do is download that. You just give me your email, you type in your name so I can send it to you and know who to address when I'm sending it to you. Uh, But that's totally free link down below. Be sure to check out Monkey Knife Fight and watch. If you're still listening to this point, please do hit the subscribe button. Watching these entire videos helps me a ton. So thank you so much. But hitting that subscribe button and the notification bell helps me even more. So you can take a few seconds of your time. I'll put up a big subscribe button. Please hit it. It's in the bottom right hand corner of the screen. It does help me build this audience and allow me to put out this content that takes a lot of time to produce. And as long as you are enjoying it, please do show me that by hitting the like, subscribe and notification bell. And also if you've made it this far and you have not yet commented down below, who would you rather have Kenyon Drake or Miles Sanders? I have it ranked as Drake right now ahead of Miles Sanders, but it is so, so close for me. So I want to hear your feedback in PPR formats for the 2020 fantasy football season. Would you rather have Miles Sanders, the Philadelphia Eagles running back or Kenyon Drake, the Arizona Cardinals running back? They profile out very similar to me.